Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Adrian. And yes, you found Tea with Puppets, a podcast about Canadian stamp collecting. Yeah. This is episode number three. Now, we know we jumped into stamps in the first couple of episodes, but we realized mostly because of your wonderful feedback, it may make sense to go back a bit and talk about how to start collecting. What are the basics to know, and what, if any, tools do you need? So that's what we'll be covering right after the jump. Howdy folks, I'm so excited to have you here with me today. I hope that today's episode will be helpful to all those of you new to collecting or looking to get started. If nothing else, you'll learn from my mistakes and ensure you really enjoy your collecting time. The first thing I want to mention is Canada Post has a great starter kit called Children's Stamp Collecting Starter Kit and it's item number 342331 and it's available in their online store. It only costs $19.95 and includes a Get Started Stamp Collecting for Canadian Kids book, a real handy starter book, a mini stock book for putting your stamps in, a pack of used stamps from all over the world, and some stamp tongs also don't forget a mini magnifying glass so it's a tremendous little value um or rather it's a it's a tremendous value for a very fair price and while it's aimed or marketed for being for kids it's actually a really great starting point for someone new to collecting and a lot of information in this podcast is inspired by the by the info that we found within that book so let's start off with the most important thing that you need to consider when you're collecting what to collect Well, it can be tempting when you first start collecting to get every stamp you can, but eventually you'll want to settle down into a specific genre. So start thinking about the kind of stamps you want to collect. For example, my wife collects animals, I like to collect commemorative and historical figures, and a good friend of mine collects flowers. It's really up to you. Canada Post has a great theme section to give you ideas on where to start, and if you don't find something of interesting, make up your own way to collect. For example, all the stamps in the year you were born. At the end of the day, it's really your collection, and you choose how you want to collect. Now, once you have some ideas of what you want to collect, you need a place to organize your stamps. Everyone has preferences, so let's start with something simple. First off, you'll want a good magnifying glass, which will help you to examine stamps for damage, but also to see the fine details within the stamp. And here's a pro tip. Checking the back of the stamp with a magnifying glass is the most obvious way to notice any flaws in your stamps. For my magnification needs, I have a 5-in-1 magnifier I bought from Canada Post that has two magnifying glasses, a pocket light, a UV light, and a reading light. And this is item number 341909. I love it because it's so handy when I don't have my other magnification tools handy or don't want to carry around my UV light. We'll talk about why you'll want a UV light in a little bit. Next, you'll want tongs as a way to hold and place your stamps. Even clean hands can leave residue, so you'll want to handle your stamps with care. I prefer the angled tweezers, but use what works for you. Just make sure they are for stamps and not plucking eyebrows. Let's now talk about where to put your stamps. Some people use albums and some people use stock books. Albums are beneficial as you can add pages as your collection grows. They have pockets or they can be blank pages where you hinge stamps. Hinging is where you take a special piece of special transparent paper and there is gum on one side so you can stick it to a page. I am someone who dislikes hinges, and there are also lots of collectors who seek unhinged stamps. It's up to you what to choose, but for all that is holy, never hinge a in stamp. Personally, I recommend you using plastic mounts instead, if you decide to go that route. And this is a clear plastic strip, 
with a gummed backing. You can stick your mint stamps in the mounting and fix those to your album pages. For my own taste, although more expensive, I've always used stock books. I find it easier to organize and more sturdy for my needs. Speaking of organization, divide the stamps into groups of similar items in your album. It will make it easier to find what you're looking for, and trust me, my first album was a complete mess, and maybe that's why I'm partial to stock books. So now that you've got the right tools, let's talk about the bits of stamps you'll, be, you'll want to be aware of, as well as some terms you may encounter here and while stamp collecting, or the technical term, philately. But don't despair, you may mangle that word too, but that does not prevent you or me from being philatists, or stamp collectors. Anyway, let's jump into some other words of import. First is prefs, or preferations, which are the holes found between stamps or when broken apart, the border around them. Early stamps had no perfs and had to be cut apart. These are known as imperforates. Just as important as perfs is the borderline. This is the edge between the picture and the perfs. Next, you'll want to be aware of the denomination or face value of a stamp. This is the price of a stamp when it was issued. In Canadian stamp collecting, for more modern stamps, you will see a P instead of a value. This means it's a permanent stamp and can be used to mail a letter within Canada no matter what the current rate is. Another denomination you may see is what is called a semi-postal, which will have a denomination or the letter P plus a plus sign with another number. That second number is the amount that was donated to a charity or a special fund. You'll see these, for example, on the recent Community Foundation stamps Canada Post has just recently issued. Next is tag or tagging. And this is where the fun comes in with the UV light we mentioned earlier. With time and experience, you may be able to detect some of the tagging under normal lighting conditions by holding the stamp at an angle, but I prefer using a UV light. So what is tagging? Tagging is a phosphor coating added to stamps used to activate automatic mail handling equipment. This may be in the form of lines, bars, or design area, or even the entire stamp surface. Some stamps are issued both with and without tagging. Catalogs call them tagged and untagged, in some cases, when tagging is omitted, it's an error. The first tagging in Canada appeared in 1962. This tagging was called Winnipeg tagging because it was introduced and tested in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Winnipeg tagging is a phosphorant bar applied vertically, one bar left, center, and right, or two bar. The difference in number of bars was to distinguish between local and forward mail. Winnipeg tagging was discontinued in 1973. Winnipeg tagging reacts to ultraviolet light and will leave an afterglow when the ultraviolet light source is removed. Starting in 1972, general tagging was introduced in Ottawa, Ontario and has since become the norm. You can read all about tagging here at aminware.ca slash tagging. As you can quickly see, stamp tagging is its own subgenre of collecting. So moving along, let's talk about configuration of stamps, as some people only collect in this format. As everyone knows what one stamp is, but what about two stamps connected together, unperforated? That is known as soutenant, and it's the French word for joined. Next, you may see people collect strips, which are three or four stamps or more in a horizontal or vertical row. Finally, you may see people collect blocks, which are four or more stamps joined together in a square or rectangle. Related to, but not exclusive to configurations, you'll hear talk of gutters or traffic lights. The gutter is a space between rows of stamps, usually it's plain, but sometimes they have colored circles in the border. These are the colors used to print the stamps. There is some premium value attached by collectors on blocks with traffic lights. Now that we've talked about configuration, let's look at a couple more terms you may encounter. These are self-adhesive stamps, which are mostly a modern phenomenon, and these are stamps that are more like stickers, there's nothing to lick. Another term you may hear is definitives. These are stamps that are printed many times and sold for many years in Canada. 
Our definitives recently have been Queen Elizabeth, but in older stamps, it'll be whoever the king or queen was of the Commonwealth at the time. There's also the Canadian flag, the Parliament, and other national symbols. Finally, before we start talking about condition of stamps, let's talk about cancelling. This is also known as U-stamps. We'll be talking about that a bit more, about how you can decide what the condition of a U-stamp is, but let's just talk about the actual terminology. So the cancel is a mark made up by hand or machine to ensure a stamp can't be reused. A date, time, and location can be included, and this is known as a postmark. A killer or obliterator is a cancel that is done in such a way that which completely hides the design of the stamp. Many people collect nicely cancelled stamps, and one easy way to do that is what is called an official first day cancel or first day cover. An official first day cancel is issued by Canada Post and usually comes with a cancellation stamp of something related to the issue. For example, the Star Trek series recently released by Canada Post has appropriate cancels, such as a Montreal cancel for William Shatner, a native of the city, and a cancel from Vulcan, Alberta for the Spock stamp with Leonard Nimoy on it. Now that we've covered the terms, let's talk about condition. Now the first thing I want to mention is condition grading can sometimes be confusing and it's really subjective in that way. Even experts can disagree on some points and many points will be examined in detail both front and back before a conclusion can be made. For clarity, I'll break things down into two types of stamp condition groups, mint or unused condition and used cancelled condition. Before we jump in, just keep in mind I'm going to be talking about generalities. First, let's look at unused or mint stamps. These are the best stamps, and they are in perfect, never-used condition. They have never been hinged, the gum is intact, there are no tears, colors are bright, and margins are even. The grading follows from very fine to fine and very good, relating to perforations, color brightness, tears, creases, stains, or damages. I'll add something more comprehensive to the show notes about grading. The second group to consider for condition are used stamps. They essentially have the same elements of a mint stamp, but the best used stamps are cancelled with a light, clear, and centered cancel. The gum is complete or shows that there has been a hinge. Like the unused stamp, there are different grades depending on tears in the stamp, the gum, color, and with used stamps, the quality of the cancel. Essentially, like any collectible, condition is everything when determining value, so you'll want to aim for very fine condition where you can. Like I mentioned earlier, I'll add some resources to the show notes on grading. So now let's talk mistakes. Actually, it was a mistake that I didn't talk about this sooner. However, at least I did not forget. Mistakes or errors are another subgroup for some people when they focus on collecting. There's nothing like the thrill of finding a mistake for some, and it can also be a lucrative business, especially if you find a mistake before the rest of the stamps are destroyed or get wider distribution. Sometimes, though, mistakes are common or not even noteworthy. So let's talk about the most common types of mistakes you may encounter. The first is the constant variety, which is an error that appears in the same position on each sheet for an entire printing of a stamp. The next is the inconsistent variety, which is a mistake that is always in the same place but does not appear in all the sheets of the stamps. Then finally, there are oddities and freaks that are extreme flaws that usually end up being thrown out, like ink missing or stamps being printed on the gum side. So now we've hit the final aspect of collecting. Where to get Canadian stamps? Canada Post is a great place to get stamps. Their website, while slow, has fair prices and you can sometimes be surprised by some specials. For example, just last week, I saw that they had the souvenir albums for 2003 to 2005 at 25% off. I would recommend you avoid the stuck on stamp packs, even for kids. Yes, they are under $6, but the stamps are cheap, and in many cases, they will be a total letdown for your children. Only the starter kit I mentioned at the beginning is worth the money. Now, on the other hand, though, and more expensive, the quarterly packs are a good way to go if you want to buy all the stamps from a specific time period. Another great place to find stamps 
are stamp shows, of course. There are a few regional shows a year. Just keep an eye out for them. Actually, Montreal, the city I live in, is actually having one next weekend called Newfelix. And you can find out more info at newfelix.com. Admission is $3, and it runs November 4th, 5th, and 6th, with Sunday being free admission. Of course, at these stamp shows, there are dealers, and if you live in a big city, chances are these dealers may even have a brick-and-mortar shop to buy stamps from. And if not available in a physical location, they may be on eBay. eBay has a whole section of stamps, and you can get some really good deals from dealers and fellow collectors. It's where I get most of my stamps these days, because if you watch carefully, it's a great way to find a great deal, or find some stamps you have no other way to find. Finally, if you're lucky, you may have a local stamp club, where you may be able to buy and trade stamps. If your city doesn't have one, maybe it's time to create one. Nothing like connecting with fellow stamp collectors not only to fill out your collection, but to gain invaluable experience. That's all about collecting stamps I can think of for now, but what about staying up to date on the market? There are a couple of sources to get your stamp news fix. Linz.com, uh, that's L-I-N-N-S.com, has the occasional stamp story about Canada, although it is really focused on the U.S. market. There is Canadian Stamp News, which publishes news on a regular basis on their blog, and also they have a print magazine. And in terms of deeper historical coverage, there is the Royal Philatic Association, which publishes the Canadian Philatist six times a year. Finally, Canada Post has something called Details Magazine. It publishes every quarter and is full of the latest releases. You can sign up for it on their website, but I'll add a link in our show notes too. Oh, and you have this show, of course. I'm always open for news to share with other Canadian stamp collectors. So that's it for the third episode. We've tried our best to cover the basics of stamp collecting in our episode today. If you have any questions or something we missed, just drop us a line at feedback at teawithpuppets.com. Thanks again for spending time with me, sharing this show with your friends, and your positive feedback. If you're looking for more info about this show, including show notes or more, make sure to check us out at teawithpuppets.com and click on the show notes icon in the top right corner. If you have any... If you have any podcast feedback, ideas for guests, cool stories, or more, we'd love to hear it too. Once again, you can email us over at feedback at teawithpuppets.com with anything you like. Finally, before I forget, we are currently surveying our listeners to learn more about you. Please take a few minutes and visit our website and click on the listener survey link found on the homepage. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for our next show, where we'll have a special spooky... Halloween episode. Have a super rest of the day and happy collecting.